BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey there, and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short, and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We are live on Twitch this afternoon, so thanks to our audience over there. And if you are listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon, Patriots Day in Boston, Boston Marathon. Fortunately, got off to a bit of a late start today, and it is uh, rather dreary in Boston there today, but... Starting the week, the baseball week with Shohei Otani is pretty good way to go, I think. Yeah, I grew up in New England, so I know that Patriots Day is a is a big deal. It's like you know, a lot of people skip work. It's a day to maybe have a couple of adult beverages, and it's a great day on the Boston calendar because you get Otani, you get the baseball game, of course, you get the Boston Marathon, and then the Bruins open up their quest for the Stanley right. Cup. They're the favorites in the NHL playoffs. They have a home game tonight against Florida, so. Great day for the sporting calendar. I got lucky, DJ. I had picked up Brian Bellow and stashed him on an IL mm. spot, and I was prepared to activate him in yeah. place. We talked about him, Bellow. You know, he's um, he's kind of that Pedro Martinez clone. I mean, he's been mm-hmm. tutored by Martinez, and he's an interesting high strikeout upside. He was better pitcher last year than the um, the the back of the baseball card stats suggest. I think his yes. component stats actually are in Bellow's favor, but he allowed a first inning home run to Hunter Renfro. So a tough way to get started there. But yeah, Patriots Day is a great day to um, in New England just to have some fun and, and to take take in different parts of the sports calendar. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, the you know, full slate of games today, a, a lot of injuries to get through. I, I feel yeah. like almost every one of my teams is you know throwing a Band-Aid here or a Band-Aid there. So hopefully yeah. we can come up with some answers or at least some, some comfort for the listeners out there. Yeah, I actually have seven players on my IL in NL-only labor. And I'm oh, in first God. place. I'm wow. in first place. So that is, uh, hopefully that's a good sign of, of things to come. Uh, you know, Justin Verlander should come off the IL soon. I brace out Glacius as my closer in that league. We'll get to some of these other injuries as the show uh, moves along here. But Shohei Otani already today, uh, he's given up a run without giving up a hit, I think. But uh, has three strikeouts. It's the third inning right now. He already has two hits. So, uh and with Bayo, like he started out strong. He, he struck out Zach uh, Neto, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but then it all kind of unraveled uh, from there for Bayo. I love the stuff, but it is one of those things where, yeah, that's the luxury of the IL spot. We talked about that in previous episodes where you can kind of wait and see how they look right out of the gate. And if you don't have to make any other moves, you can continue to keep that player in that IL spot, especially at least in Yahoo, you can. Some other leagues, maybe you can't. I'm actually in some kind of deeper score sheet leagues where I needed the pitching 
you know, so I, I started Bayo today. So we'll see how that all shakes out uh, when I get my box scores next week. And by the way, score sheet is so fun. Uh, I've said this over the years on Twitter. I wrote a series of columns about, about score sheet. Um, I think it was during the pandemic year. Um, but score sheet is such a blast. It, it's, it's a mix between fantasy and real life results. Uh, it's basically a simulation, but with fantasy stats. Uh, it's super fun. You have a, you can have your minor league, uh, you have your farm system, you can manage a bullpen, you can have lineups depending on hand in this. It's like, it is the nerdiest form of fantasy baseball there is, but I love that game. And if, if you haven't played before, you should certainly uh, look into it. Have you played it, Scott? Yeah, I haven't played score sheet. I, I'm trying to remember somebody at Roto World, and I can't remember for the life of me who it was, and I feel bad about that, came up with the idea to have a simulation league th- during the pandemic season. That was me. Sure. Oh, that was your, it was you. Okay. Yeah. That was so much fun. I, I knew, I knew it was one of the Roto World baseball guys. It's the guy I'm talking to. So it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I couldn't come up with that. No, it's okay. That league was a blast. So we, we did a mm-hmm. fantasy draft where you could, um, take any player of like with the last 40 years or something like that. But you couldn't, yes. you know, once Dwight Gooden was drafted, nobody else could draft Dwight Gooden for any other season. Yep. And so you get results, you get three box scores a day. You get to set up your lineup to certain um, specifications. Mm-hmm. And uh, my team, my team was above 500. I did, wasn't contender for the title, but I had so much fun. And we weren't sure in 2000. I mean, you know, Yahoo, we were doing like Tom Petty musical drafts and stuff. We, I, you know, nobody knew where the world was going. Nobody knew right. where the sporting calendar was going. It's kind of crazy. That was three years ago, but, I know. I haven't played score sheet, but you know, I grew up playing like Avalon Hill baseball and APA. You know, I know a lot right. of people played Stratomatic and stuff like that. I, I'm all for playing different formats. I'm, I'm in as it is in fantasy now. I'm in some head-to-head leagues. I'm in some smaller mixed leagues where the wire is always rich. I'm in some deeper mixed leagues where the wire is always kind of scarce, and you have to really fight for everybody. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in the friends and family league. We can make a pickup anytime you want. The retail therapy league. Um, right. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, in, I'm in one keeper league. So I haven't played score sheet, but I'm all for playing different formats. And I apologize for not giving you credit up front. That simulation league we did on What If Sports was a blast. Yeah, it was really fun. And and my idea behind that, if I remember correctly, was we started it from when basically fantasy baseball was invented. Mm-hmm. Like the first year of fantasy baseball, which I, I would get it wrong if I had to guess right now, but I think I said 81. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so basically the best fantasy seasons ever was the idea. Uh, so yeah, once you drafted, you know, Dwight Gooden 84, you couldn't pick Dwight Gooden 85 or 86. Like Dwight Gooden was off the board. Pedro Martinez 2000, you know, like that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was a blast. I'd love to go back and, and do some other kind of idea that's more fantasy centric, mm-hmm. uh, maybe for an off season. Uh, we'll have to, uh, Dial up what if sports again, but how did you uh, keep was, doing that league? I, I remember I was slightly over five hundred. I made the playoffs, but I did not win. Uh, I think um, was it somebody from was it somebody from Rasball? It was Rudy Gamble from Rasball. Rudy Gamble won. Yeah, really good he fantasy won. player. Yeah, he is very good, and he was a great help in that league. But yeah, look up what if sports. Uh, they have lots of different. Um, games you can play simulations uh that's and you can really you turn back the clock with those too so, so what i, what I ended up doing with my settings right is at first i just got the complete box score sent to me and then i learned there was a way to actually live through the game batter by batter mm-hmm. and so that's what i would do is i would go through all three of the games batter by batter that's and fun you sweat it out and everything and you know hope my yeah. could hold up that i it's 
this is one of those things where if you if you have no familiarity with this, you might think, oh, is that really all that much fun? It was a blast. And it was a time where we really needed it, where there wasn't much oh, going yeah. on. So yeah. I can't say enough how much it stepped into a void in my life that I, I didn't even know I had at the time. So thank you for running that. And I hope we run something back like that someday. Absolutely. Score sheet, you could do that too. When you get the box scores, you could actually like go to the website and get everything spoiled for you. But mm -hmm. if you want to get wait for uh, once the scores go live, you can click game by game. If I buy it back, so it's pretty. It's pretty fun if you're into that. So yeah, definitely check out Score Sheet and What If Sports. So we're gonna get into the big headlines coming out of the weekend. Some big call ups, a lot of injuries, and then we'll talk some uh, interesting weekend fab bids out there. So uh, before we get into that, just a reminder: every season is draft season. Get your Ritterworld Draft Guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Pack with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Rotable Draft Guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code BARRY, B-E-R-R-Y, and save an extra 20% at checkout. Uh, get those draft guides today. Get set up for football. We'll be here before we know it. NFL draft season. Uh, what are we, a week and a half away from the NFL draft? So mm -hmm. that should be a ton of fun. Uh, but let's get into headlines from the weekend, and this is maybe selfish for me, but we talked about him on this show over the past couple of weeks. Brett Beatty, uh, the Mets calling up Beatty, and you know he didn't make the team out of spring training. He certainly could have made the argument that he should have been on the team from day one, but you know he's been banging on the door since then, hitting 400 in AAA, five homers, two doubles. Uh, through 42 plate appearances, hitting the ball extremely hard. It feels like every night he was doing something down there. And then the contrast with Eduardo Escobar at the Mets hitting 125 with a 402 OPS over 14 games. I'm guessing if Beatty's coming up, he's playing every day. There's no reason you wouldn't do that. Um, so I'm expecting we'll see Beatty pretty much every day, maybe initially hitting like sixth or seventh in the lineup, but you know, this is one of the top prospects in the game at this point. And I know Francisco Alvarez is up right now. He struggled a little bit out of the gate, looks a little bit anxious. But it's a little different for a catcher coming up. It's everything you have to manage the game, throwing up base runners in a time when, you know, base runners are running like crazy. Um, but Beatty, I think there's big expectations right away in mixed leagues. Yeah, a uh, couple of call-ups this week. Beatty was certainly the guy who got my attention. And we did talk about him earlier this spring. Had a big spring training, as you said, prob probably could have made the team. They had reasons for sending him down, but we thought the handoff could come quickly. Escobar being in his age 34 season, I mean, it's possible this is the end of the line for Escobar. We know the Mets, they are you know, they're not trying to make the playoffs here. They're, they're all in. They want to win the World Series. They want to be big players. And so getting their best team on the field as soon as possible, I thought, was important to them. And as you said, it's apples to oranges with Beatty and Alvarez. Alvarez at that game, but he didn't start his first two games, and then they throw him behind the plate against Miami. They steal five bases against them. I wonder yeah. if that hurt his confidence defensively. And you know, with with the catcher, you have to put somebody behind the plate, and it's he's going to be okay with the pitchers, and the pitchers going to be okay with him. And there's like a relationship there. It's a lot easier for Beatty, who can just seamlessly slide in the third and just go out and hit. He's got almost equal amount of walks and strikeouts in AAA. He's even run a little bit. He's been caught twice, but at least he's stolen two bases, so he shows some interest in that part of the game. I think he'll hit for a plus average with some power right away. There's yeah. a good chance he's done with the minor leagues that he takes his job and run with, runs with it. No, no, no guarantee, of course. But if, if he hits the first couple of weeks, 
he's not going back to the minors and yeah. he could easily percolate to the middle of this lineup at some point. They probably will bat him low in the lineup just to not put a lot of pressure on him right away. But mm-hmm. Brett Brady looks like a finished product to me. And I'm glad I had stashed him and talked about stashing him. And then he hurt his thumb and I'm like, Oh God, you know, right. why, why do I say nice things? I, we talked about him on a Monday. I wrote about him on a Tuesday. He was hurt that Tuesday night. Thankfully the thumb injury wasn't a big deal. It hasn't hurt him at all. He's just, it looks yeah. like he's outgrown the minors. So uh, this looks like a plane taking off to me. I know development is not always linear, and, and who knows? Maybe he'll go three for 21 out of the gate, but I think he's ready to to make the Mets, and, and he'll be here the rest of the season. So it's one thing to say, yeah, you know, Beatty should be picked up everywhere, which I agree with. Yes. But it's like, who do you drop? What level of player do you drop? Miguel Vargas. They have a similar roster number on Yahoo right now. Tristan Casas as well. Garrett Mitchell kind of in that same realm as well. Where do you see Beatty versus those guys? And we're talking about like a 12-team mixed league. Mm -hmm. Like that's probably who you're going to be deciding uh, between, you know, starter or bench spot. So where does Beatty fit into a mix like that with like Vargas, Cassis, and Mitchell? Well, when we're talking 12-team mixed league, all I care about is the the ceiling of the player because if it doesn't work out, you're going to find plenty of guys who have floor, plenty of guys who get playing time. It's in the deeper formats where how much a guy plays matters. And if it's if you're going to take a loss on a player, it can be a lot more penal. Where in the, sh- the shallower leagues, I'm just like, oh, who has a chance to be a really good player? Who's the, who's the highest ceiling here? I'll take a chance on him. I, the only player I would hesitate to keep would be Vargas versus Beatty. The other two, Mitchell and, and Cassis, I would drop immediately for Beatty anywhere. But Agreed. Vargas, I know – He's been a little bit disappointing. He's not in the lineup every day, but he's just walking so much. I still think the Dodgers have a top seven, top eight lineup. It's not quite the Dodgers lineup we've been used to. We've spoiled by the last maybe seven or eight years. But yeah, Vargas, Vargas and Beatty to me is a conversation. The other two drops, I would, I would make you know, like a pinball move, just immediately hit the floor. I agree. I agree. So let's get on this other one, Zach Neto. Um, surprising call up, more surprising than Beatty. Uh, basically because Neno was drafted last year. He was the number eight pick in last year's uh, draft, um, th- or 13th overall, excuse me. Just turned 22 in January, uh, right-handed hitter, only has 44 minor league games under his belt, was off to a great start in double-A du- prior to the promotion, hitting 444, three steals, six to eight strikeout to walk ratio. The expectation is he's going to be the regular shortstop moving forward. And as opposed to some other teams where we see prospects lower in the order initially, Neto did hit eighth in his debut. But since then, he's hit back-to-back at the leadoff spot uh, today and Sunday. One was with Taylor Ward out. uh, That was on Sunday. Today with Mike Trout out of the lineup. So I don't know if this is going to stick necessarily, but it still says a lot that the Angels have been hitting him leadoff here. I'm interested to see what happens here with Neto. There's... You know, I, he doesn't have blazing speed. It's pretty good, but I think he's more of like double-digit homer. Steel is kind of where you're setting your baseline here. Has a really exaggerated leg kick in his swing. Uh, you should really check it out. It's it's interesting. It's it's unique in this time where you you kind of see more like similar batting stances. I I think it. If you remember back to the '80s, there was like such a diversity. In, in approach uh, as far as batting stances were concerned. It's a little more uniform now, uh, so that did stand out to me. But someone who's known for his approach, um, maybe more valuable in an on-base percentage league, has a really good arm at shortstop. I think that's why the Angels are like, hey, let's stick him out there and see what happens. 
But Neto, I don't, I'm not sure I'm like run into the waiver wire to pick him up. Wondering what you think. Yeah, I didn't land him anywhere. Um, I found out today looking at his baseball reference page that we share a birthday. He's obviously younger than me. So uh, really? move over, move over Nolan Ryan, move over Jackie <laughs> Robinson, move over Unieski Betancourt. We have another January 31st baby to kick around. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned a key point about his batting slot and when the angels, when child comes back tomorrow, when Marsh is, when they're all available, I'm really curious to where Neto slots because, and I realize in a lot of leagues you've already made your decision on Neto. But to me, if I was borderline on him, the difference between hitting seventh, eighth or ninth and first and second is significant. And that would be maybe the tipping point for me. And as you, you also mentioned, he was a double promotion, right? He came up from double A, as he said, he was drafted last summer. So this is, I'm never surprised when a player who, and, and Grant Beatty's a young guy too, but I'm never surprised when a player this young comes up if he does struggle right away and, and Neno hasn't hit the ground running through you know, two and a half games or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's it's a rocky liftoff for him. Now, I do like that they, not that I have anything against David Fletcher, but they designated him for assignment. That's a that's a sign from the team that they're going to give Neno a chance. You know, it's not going to be like a week to prove himself. He'll probably get several weeks to to show that he's ready and the team is – I mean, they're in this weird place, right? Because the Otani contract is just hovering over the team. Can yep. they keep Otani? Are they just going to be irrelevant with Otani and Trout? How does Mike Trout only have three playoff games? Why do we need a World Baseball Classic to give these guys a stage? Because they never get it in baseball in the playoffs. You know, the Angels really, really need to make a push this year and try to convince Otani he can win here. And so maybe this is yeah. in a little, in a sense, a move towards that. Like, look, we're, we're, we're serious here. We're not trying to be an 83 win team. We're trying to be a playoff team. We're trying right. to be a team that can win the AL pennant. So I didn't get Neto. I was open to getting Neto and I did make a couple of token bids. I didn't win any of them, but I don't feel, I don't know. It, it's funny with fab bits, right? A lot of times you put in the fab bits, they don't come in and you're like, oh, I, I've screwed up. I should have bid more. And then you win on a player. Like I, I got a, a bunch of, um, some guys this week, and I'm like, oh, man, where's everybody else in this player? Maybe I've just misjudged yeah. the market. In the case right. of Neto, I didn't win my Neto bids, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, when somebody has this kind of pedigree, at least you have to pay attention. Yeah, I think in Yahoo Friends and Family, uh, Shelly and I picked him up. But that's a 16-team league, right? Is it 15 mm-hmm. or 16? I think it's 16. Uh, yep, sure. It's a deep league, yep. Yeah, so in that, in that kind of league, yeah, I think you can add him. But in a standard mix, maybe you wait and see here. Um, another breaking news item on Monday, the Twins and Pablo Lopez are reportedly closing in on a four-year, $73.5 million extension. Craig Mish of SportsGrid was first with that information. Uh, this deal will buy out Lopez's final arbitration season and what would have been his first three years of free agency. Uh, so with Lopez, of course, he came over from the Mar- <clears throat> excuse me, came over from the Marlins during the offseason. With a couple of prospects, Luisa Rise went to the Marlins in that deal, and Lopez is off to a tremendous start this season. 1.73 ERA through four starts, 33 strikeouts, just six walks, and 26 innings. Velocity up across the board. He's another one of those pitchers who's added a sweeper to his arsenal and been a very effective pitch for him. And I'm having a little bit of envy of not having Lopez on, on enough team so far, but obviously the twins are looking at the early returns on Lopez and they knew they had to lock him in long-term. So, Hey, good on the twins for doing that. 
Yeah, I have some some Lopez um, FOMO too. I think I have him on one team. He's always had the exquisite control, and the question has been, could he take a step up with the strikeouts yeah. and become go from being okay a really nice middle of rotation two or three to maybe he can be a staff ace. Obviously, the Twins think he can be a staff ace. I also think it's really cool that Craig Mish broke this story because you know he's such a great Miami connection. I guess his yeah. Lopez connections have continued even with Lopez out of town. Mm-hmm. Whenever Craig Mish says anything in the Marlins, you can take it to the bank, and I guess you can take it to the bank on, on Pedro Lopez, who's, who's about to get paid. But it's it's always one of these things where what's the one last skill a player can acquire that could turn them from being a good player to maybe a great player? And it looks like with this sweeper, with this put-away pitch – Maybe this is a year of Lopez. I would not at all be surprised if he ends up being like top four in the Cy Young balloting or something like that. Yeah. I think he has that kind of upside. And I'd like to go back and redraft because he was really affordable in all my leagues this spring. And I think I missed an opportunity. Yep. Uh, another player uh, that is standing out in recent days, Jared Kelnick. Just wanted to give him mm. some props here. Uh, it's hitting 441 on a 10 game hitting streak right now. I believe he homer in three or four straight games uh, mm-hmm. last week. Four doubles, two stolen bases during this time as well. It's been encouraging. I mean, the strikeout rate is still a little high, but key kind of metrics to look at here, contact rate up so far this year. Last year was 69.5%. It's 77.4%. This year, the chase rate is way down. It was 31.1% last year. It's down to 26.9%. Zone contact rate, which is a big deal. 83.6% 83.6% this year. Last year was just 75.3%. Uh, so some nice gains behind what he's doing right now. He's also just hitting absolute monster home runs. I mean, maybe he's putting it together. I, I, I think toward the end of spring training, we were talking about these kind of players that maybe are being selected late. Like you remember like Cedric Mullins, like a couple of years ago, he came out of nowhere and became like a first or second round type of player. Like Jared Kelnick could be that guy this year. And that was evident, you know, from him, the great spring training he has, but he was a top prospect for a reason. I know it's been terrible for him so far in the majors, but maybe he's finally here. I, I don't know. How, how much do you believe in what we're seeing, Scott? Uh, I'm open-minded to it. We talk about, again, we talk about, you know, development is not linear. Yeah. And this is why, you know, if, if Beatty or Neto disappoint us or Real Alvarez disappoints us, I mean, it's to be expected, this rocky starts for guys. I mean, Mike Trout, famously, his first go around in the majors was very, not that you want to compare anybody really to Mike Trout, but the point is Mike Trout wasn't great right away. And then the second season, he blew up. Also, Kelnick also has three stolen bases. You, you mentioned though, the key, yeah. the key stats you're looking at him. The, the, the problem with Kelnick was never you know, that he couldn't hit home runs. It was he struck yeah. out too much. And yeah. if he's getting control of the strike zone and, and if he's learning how to spit on those borderline pitches and getting comfortable in, in the batter's box, he also had a home run off a lefty, which is uh, most of his production has come against right-handed pitching. But when he uh, hit that home run against the lefty, that was another hurdle we want to see is can he play well enough to beat the platoon disadvantage and be somebody the Mariners can play 150 games a year. Still just 23, I believe, and was not. Remember with Kelnick, at one point he wasn't just a prospect. At one point he was, I think, the jewel hitting prospect in baseball. He was the number one guy. He was the, if this player just got called up, run to your phone, run to your computer, make sure he's not available because everybody else is going to want this guy. That's who Kelnick was. And I don't know. It, maybe it's coming together now. Um, as you said, these are not cheap home runs he's hitting. I mean, the, that home run he hit in Wrigley Field hasn't landed yet and tied yeah. the game in the ninth inning. I actually not not proud of this. I'm in one very shallow 10-team league. 
And I, I got Kalnick in the auction. And um, it's a league where we were retrofitting the stats. Like we, you got credit for what happened the first 10 days. I wanted to pick up somebody who'd already collected some stats. Kalnick got off to a poor start. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. who do I drop here? Who do I drop here? Oh, I'm sick of waiting on Jared Kelnick. That was my only investment in the Kelnick business. I cut again, it's a 10 team league. So the, the math is different there, but I cut him. Now it looks like he's going off and uh, I, I'm all the Kelnick FOMO, man. And, and good, good for Seattle. I, this is a team that was irrelevant for so long. They finally made the playoffs last year. I don't think it's a fluke. I love their rotation. Even with Robbie Ray hurt, they have three yeah. really good starters. I, th- I think they still have a good chance. I think to win that division. I think they'll be in the playoffs either way. And because I just cut Kelnick about 10 days ago, a week ago, whatever it was, I'm convinced that I screwed up. I'm in first place in that league anyway, but um, no Kelnick shares this year. I don't think that's going to be fun. So something that's really fun on Baseball Savant, like if you go to Jared Kelnick's page, you're going to see a lot of red, you know, hard hit rate, barrel rate, average exit velocity. But the the spray chart, if you go to his spray chart, first off, you could see the home run in, in Chicago. There's little circles on each player's page. And you can click on those circles. I would recommend clicking on the one in the upper right portion of the screen. It almost looks like it's about to jump off the spray chart. That is the Jared Kalnick home run against the Cubs. It's really cool you could do that too. Like if you want any point of reference for a home run or a line drive or whatever, you can click on that spray chart and get the video right away. It's it's a super cool feature. Uh, Haven't we come a long way from I, – I go back to the days where we did our fantasy scoring – you know, USA Today, Tuesday and Wednesday stats, and we'd all get together yeah. with, with calculators and stuff. And now yeah. it's like we can watch any highlight we want, and we have all this granular data. You know, Fangraphs is incredible. Baseball Reference is incredible. Baseball Savant, who uh, – and, and I always thank um, Paul Spore, who uh, I had him on my podcast a few years ago, and he was talking about Savant. And I, I was just had my toes in the site at that point. He showed me a lot of yeah. the great stuff they're doing over there. And, of course, you know, you have a great set like Yahoo that can – Keep all your fantasy scoring for you. You have a great site like Roto World that can give you all the news you have to, you know, to hunt it down yourself, that you yep. can have all this stuff basically given to you in the app or given to you on the website, given to you on Twitter and everything. It's just what, what a great time to be alive. Yeah, I remember back in the day when I would, you know, listen to Mets games on the radio because I grew up in Maryland. So I was sure. kind of forced to listen to Mets games on the radio. I would keep track of players' ERAs in a notebook. Like I would write everything down and, you know, Rick Reed's updated ERA after his start, I, I would track all that myself. And it, it's nice to get that information in real time. I think 10 years ago, you know, everyone was on Brooks baseball to get like the velocity readings and stuff right. like that. But we've, we've come so far where all this information is right at our, our fingertips. When I was a newspaper that. guy, we all, um, I, li- I lived in New England, I had a newspaper job in Rhode Island and we all did Gary Cohen imitations how he would style the two. He'd be like, you know, it's one and two. And, uh, <laughs> we, we, Bob Murphy, Gary Cohen. Um, and I would, yeah. a lot of times I would drive around on a clear night. I could catch the Mets. And again, I'm in New England here. I could catch the Mets game. I catch the Orioles game. I could catch sometimes the Phillies. The great Harry Callis yeah. was their radio guy who was just a titan in the industry. Um, you know, baseball, baseball is such a romantic sport about just the way the pros and, and the companionship and, and you, you end up just becoming – these guys feel like your friends. They feel like oh, relatives yeah. to you. Or, you know, Gary Cohen feels like a friend of mine. I, I think I've I've been in his presence like twice. I'm not sure I've ever even spoken to him. And I, you know, He's great at every sport too, great basketball yeah. announcer, great hockey announcer. He is a great but basketball announcer. He's, ter- he's terrific, man. And I say this all the time. Even if you don't like the Mets, they have the best TV booth going. You know, Now that you know, you know, Vince yeah. Scully you know, retired and we've since lost him, he was one of one. But 
you know, with right. Cohen, with Darling, with Keith Hernandez, you can't do better than that. It doesn't matter. If you don't have a stake in the game, and you probably have some Mets on your fantasy team anyway because they're one of the better teams in baseball. But just listen to those guys. You know, you, you feel like you're sitting with them at the bar and you have a seat at the game. Yeah, and I think Cohen has really shown his range as a broadcaster because, yeah, for a long time he was that that play-by-play radio announcer where you, you really have to give details of everything. But now on TV, it's kind of a little little different. And he plays off of Keith and Ron Darling, their experience. And if you're sometimes you're like interviewing them while you're doing the game. And it's a totally different side of Gary Cohen. And he's he's maybe better at this than he was. He's great at everything, too. During the yeah. tournament, he does some, I think, some Westwood One work on the NCAA basketball tournament. He's fantastic. He was the St. John's announcer, I think, for a long time. I know he has hockey roots. He's just one of those guys like Sean McDonough who could do yep. any sport and be great at it. And remember the great Vince Scully, right? Vince Scully used to call the masters. Vince oh, Scully yeah. called the Dwight yeah. Clark uh, touchdown catch from Montana. That was a Vince Scully call. I mean, you know, he yep. could do any sport too. And, yep. and in the case of Scully, he worked for so long by himself, which is impossible. Mm-hmm. Man. It's impossible to, to work by yourself and be interesting and have right. the flow and the pace. And, you know, again, Vince Scully, one of one. And I would say Gary Cohen, one of one as well. He's, he's certainly getting there. Uh, fantastic. And yeah, a treat to listen to him every day. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get to these injuries. There's so many. Um, we'll try to try to speed through these so we can get to our fab discussion here. So Will Smith hit the concussion injured list over the weekend. Uh, it doesn't, it's not really clear exactly what happened like what was there an exact moment or injury he did take some foul tips off his mask uh last week he's eligible to return on thursday when the dodgers play the cubs it's unclear if he'll be ready by then but uh smith has been off to a fantastic start hopefully he can uh you know get over that uh quickly feel good and and get back in the lineup for there for the dodgers but does look look like he's going to miss at the very least uh the very least miss this series against the mets uh this week Jeffrey Springs, which is a real bummer, diagnosed with left ulnar neuritis in his throwing arm after leaving a start against the Red Sox last Thursday. It was initially pretty vague about how much time he would miss, but uh, some additional opinions on his elbow. He's expected to miss 
a minimum of two months. This is seen as more than a nerve issue. Uh, initially, that was kind of the concern because he was, after he uh, left the game, as he was leaving the game, he was kind of flexing his hand, looking at his forearm, thinking maybe it was just a nerve issue, but does seem to be something that's uh, going to be a prolonged absence here, may even need surgery. Um, obviously a huge bummer. And Springs was another one of those guys. I think we talked about him maybe the, the second week of the season, uh, how we were had some FOMO not getting enough Jeffrey Springs, but uh, you know, raise off to a fantastic start. I still think they're going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you invested in Springs in your draft, it looked like he was going to be maybe one of those breakout guys, but unfortunately that's cut short right now. Yeah, and unlike the Smith injury, in the case of Springs, there's a clear beneficiary because it means Tash Bradley, who made that one start yeah. against the Red Sox, eight strikeouts, three runs. Looked like maybe that was a one-off. Now they have a spot for Bradley, yeah. and I think he'll probably stick around, and he's a guy who they had a lot of high hopes for. He's an interesting prospect pedigree. So any, I've, I've been saying all, all spring, any way you can get exposed to Tampa Bay, their pitching staff, I, mean, I don't have any Rasmussen. That kills me. I love guys who throw mm-hmm. strikes, but – uh, Springs, I did kind of aggressively take Springs to the friends and family draft, which was a few days into the season. I just watched him mow down the, the Tigers. Right. I feel like he could have thrown 15 no-hit innings against the Tigers. And, you know, DJ, I, I know teams have to think long-term, and now, now Springs is hurt, of course, but a little bit of the romanticism of baseball dies when it's just not uncommon for a guy to have a no-hitter going and, and get pulled from the game. Yeah. I, I, I wish I wish we had more of that. I, you know, Joe Posnanski wrote an interesting piece today about – how Clay Kershaw is going for his 200th win, and maybe 200 wins is the new 300. There just aren't that many guys in line right now in baseball to get to 200 wins. It's going to be kind of a right. rare occurrence. And and he mentioned that even when Kershaw pitches, he, he may be gone by the sixth inning or the seventh inning. And he certainly he hasn't completed a game, I think, in six years. He may right. never throw another complete game. We've seen a couple of shutouts. Uh, what did Scherzer just had one, and I, I think Sandy Alcantara uh, had the other one. Uh, Garrett Cole threw it. Two- Cole, that's right. Cole had the shutout. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Cole off yeah. to a terrific. Talk about FOMO, man. Four and oh, and yeah. Scott Bicky array. I yeah. was open to Cole, and it's like you know, I took hitters. I didn't take. I took Corbin Burns. I didn't take Cole, and maybe this is the year to get him. But uh, Bradley is the guy, and I don't. I don't think I have Brad. Talk about FOMO. I don't think I have Bradley anywhere. I would think he's going to be in the rotation for the long term, and maybe he pitches so well that he just sticks for the rest of the season. Don't worry about the three runs. Focus on the eight strikeouts. That's the indicator there. Yeah, Zach Eflin should be back eventually. You know, same goes for Tyler Glass now, but it does look like Bradley will get a shot here, maybe an extended chance. Uh, he's on the taxi squad for the Rays on Monday, but likely to start Tuesday against the Reds. That's one you want to have him active for. Giancarlo Stanton, uh, shocker, laying on the injured list uh, with a hamstring strain, uh, has a grade two hamstring strain. So this is going to be a while, at least a month probably uh, for Stanton. The Yankees are close to getting some guys back. Josh Donaldson's beginning a rehab assignment on Tuesday, probably back by the end of the week. Uh, Harrison Bader close to beginning a rehab assignment. Oswald Peraza was called up by the Yankees. I'm not sure how long he'll be up, though. Uh, but Bader rejoining that outfield. Donaldson up. Uh, you know, LeMahieu's been a little banged up. They can get by out of the DH spot. But, uh, I, you know, I think if you drafted Stanton, you drafted him knowing he's probably going to miss <laughs> going to miss some time at some point during the year so not a huge surprise still a bit of a blow to that Yankees lineup Brandon Woodruff this is a really disappointing um discouraging one sidelined I indefinitely for the subscapular strain in his right shoulder that doesn't sound good 
Uh, had a velo drop in his last start. Didn't feel right in his between starts bullpen session. But it seemed like one of those things initially, maybe he wouldn't miss that much time. But now he's just shut down from throwing. He's going to be reevaluated at the end of next week. So we're talking, I don't know, probably a month at the very least. But it could be a while for Woodruff. And that's a big blow for the Brewers who are, you know, looking like a real threat in that NL Central uh, for the Cardinals. And that underscores, too, that anytime you like somebody who's like a number five or a number six starter on a team on paper before the season, don't worry about where the player's going to slot. Just think, well, pitchers get hurt and, and guys yep. get opportunities. You know, not that this necessarily applies to anybody in Milwaukee, but it's just so hard for five guys to to pitch yep. all season. There's just, just going to be bumps in the road. Back up to the Yankees for a second. For one thing, it's just crazy that Stanton, the way he got hurt, he hit a ball that he thought was a home run. Right. It landed in the field of play, and then he sped up to try to you know, get a double out of it, and that's how he ended up getting hurt. I think when you draft Stanton, Stanton or procure him an auction, you're thinking, what, 115 games is probably the over-under. If you yep. got like 130, you'd be thrilled. If, if you got maybe 80 or 90, maybe you'd feel a little bit cheated. But I'm, I'm just glad, man. I'm just glad there's an app to help me keep track of these injuries, man, because I, I – you know, I wouldn't get anything done if I had to you know, hunt all this information down on my own. Yeah. So Chris Bubik, remember we talked about him last week, how good he looked starting the season. He's on the aisle as a left flexor strain. Uh, I wasn't starting him against the Braves this past weekend, but the velocity was way down in that start. And there were a lot of questions about why um, it was really cold uh, during that start. So the you know, some people are speculating maybe the weather was the factor, but no, it's actually the left flexor strain. It's a shame because he was off to a great start. Um, you know, revamp, pitch mix, all the things you kind of look for, the markers you look for from a breakout starter. But unfortunately, he's going to be out for a little bit here. Hopefully not too long, but uh, definitely for a little while. Max Scherzer, a bit of a question mark now, too. Uh, he was pushed back from his start on Sunday due to what's being called lingering back soreness. Uh Underwent an MRI as a precaution, uh, but obviously not something super alarming because he's scheduled to make his next start on Wednesday against the Dodgers. We'll see. But given his age, dealt with the oblique issue last year, um, which clearly he was trying to pitch through in the second half. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about Scherzer right now. And he hasn't looked good this season either. Right. Yeah, with age... 38 season, I think he turns 39 in the middle of summer. So th there's a guy who I, I just – I always had an alternative when it came time to draft Scherzer. And, and look, Max Scherzer has been so durable in his 30s that he deserves the benefit of the doubt. But just at that age, and the, the Mets have to – this is what, one of the things you get when you draft older pitchers is that teams are going to, when they're on the fence, they're going to want to err on the side of caution and skip starts and load management. E even a guy like Scherzer we think is a horse – the Mets would probably say, well, okay, we can get 165, 170 innings out of him and have him healthy for the playoffs. That's kind of the goal here. Yeah. And so I, I guess I'm, I feel fortunate. I, nobody wants to see the best pitchers get hurt or the best players get hurt. There's nothing satisfying about that. But yep. in the case of Scherzer, the age just had me nervous. That and Look, Verlander just won a Cy Young Award at age 40. I mean, it's not that these guys can't do it. But the age is what pushed me away from Scherzer. And for the moment, I, I feel like I made the right call. But, I mean, this is pitching is – we're chasing a butterfly, and the moment you swipe your net, the butterfly is somewhere else. It's uh, you know, I, again, Jeffrey Springs. I went after him, you know, aggressively ten days ago. Now he's hurt. It's just one of those things where it's there's so much volatility to pitching. You just have to kind of whistle through the graveyard. 
Yeah, and I, and and I think that's a good point about what where the team's priorities are, especially, you know, mm-hmm. you look at the Dodgers, look at the Mets. They want these players to be healthy in October. You know, it, it would it be great to win the division, of course, but we saw last year during the playoffs, this expanded playoffs that it doesn't really mean anything. You just need to get in and be at your best in that moment. And I think that's all the Mets are focused on. Obviously, they want to win. They want to win the division if they can. But the point is just getting to October healthy at the top of their game. I think that will be the focus for the Mets this year. Let me, let me ask you a question about Boo, but you, you mentioned you didn't play him against the Braves, which I think was certainly the right call. How many offenses are like that for you? First, uh, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Oviedo a little bit later. I'm not pitching him this week where I got him because he's pitching Colorado. So a game in Colorado qualifies. The yep. Braves qualify. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, like, is Houston a must-avoid anymore? Are the Mets an avoid? Are the Cardinals an avoid? Are the Dodgers? There's, there's some teams in flux right now. The Astros yep. have had a lot of injuries. The Dodgers lost some pieces in the offseason. The Red Sox used to be like the Red Sox family park. No way. I don't think the Red Sox are really there anymore. The yep. Braves are one of them. The Braves are one of the, oh, my God, don't let your borderline guys near that Atlanta lineup. How many mm-hmm. other spots? And I think Colorado still applies, even though it's not the greatest Rockies team, but just course Field has to be respected. How many other teams would be in that category for you? I don't think it's many. I think it's probably like five or fewer. Um, I'm doing the daily starter rankings uh, in our season tools on on NBCSportsEdge.com this season. And, you know, I'm putting the Tigers at the – any Tigers start them at the bottom. You know what I mean? Because they're just not going to score runs. Uh, You know, Rockies when they're in course field, they're generally toward the bottom. But, like, the way I think about aces, it's like like automatic. You know what I mean? And – you can, you know, kind of go back and forth on, you know, is it is Degrom the top pitcher this day, or is it Corbin Burns, whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I generally don't avoid a lot of teams. I would say if it's a pitcher who hasn't really proven it yet over a long sustained period, and they're they're facing the Braves, who are ridiculous right now, then yeah, maybe I would I would sit them. But yeah, I think there's only a handful of teams where I would go that far. Is Toronto in that group? They could be. Yeah, I could see that. Or Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, you know, like sure. certain situations. Like a, d- a day game in New York makes me nervous, too. Just the yeah. ball flies. You know, you see that, oh, routine fly ball to right field. No, no, it's five rows deep in the, in the seats. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be frustrating to watch. So we are rapidly approaching April 20th, this Thursday. That's the day that Fernando Tatis Jr. will be eligible to return from his 60-game 60 60 PED suspension. His numbers in AAA are just insane he's hitting 515 17 for 33 seven home runs and two doubles over eight games i think he's i think he's ready you think he's ready give him a shot yeah i'll call up this this dude see how he does but yeah i mean i i think it's would you start him if you were in a weekly league this week or you know what i mean like i I don't know i i might be tempted to do it depending on the depth of the league like if it's nl only labor and i had Tatis, like maybe it'd start Tatis and just wait it out. Yeah, assuming you had the pliability in your lineup yeah. where he's just replacing the weakest player on your team anyway. Yeah, for sure. You're going to have all the FOMO when he, he hits a home run his first game back and you see the highlight 500 times on Twitter. So, yeah, I'm, I'm putting him in. He's one of those guys. I, I don't need to see anything. I'm going to put him in right away. Hey, exactly. So uh, another interesting development over the weekend is is Bryce Harper. And we knew at the start of the season, the Phillies did not put Harper on the 60-day injured list. Uh, that was just maintaining some flexibility depending on how things were going in his rehab. But he's been taking batting practice 
uh, on the field on pretty much a daily basis for about two and a half weeks um, and really long home runs too. He's going to hit in a simulated game against Ranger Suarez, the, the Phillies pitcher who's rehabbing from an injury uh, on Tuesday. So he's taking simulated at bats and the Phillies manager, Rob Thompson said over the weekend, he doesn't think Harper will necessarily need a minor league rehab assignment. So this is my question for you, Scott. Do we see Harper back before the end of April? Yes or no? That sounds early to me, but I think he's – the point is his timetable is ahead of schedule. And, look, I get it. We have to be careful with injury timetables because they, whenever they ask players, everybody's a superhero, everybody's going to be back earlier than expected. I think this is one case where it's really going to happen. Also, Harper, I think I read that on Roto World that he was taking some work at first base too. We know yes. obviously they lost Reese Hoskins and they lost Hall, the replacement. So – they must feel really good about where he's at if they're even yep. considering putting him on the field because the whole idea was like, oh, no, he's way too valuable as a hitter. Let's not risk him in right field. I realize first base is you know at the low end of the defensive spectrum, but if they're even considering that, that's a sign yep. that they, they're not worried about his health. I think Harper for sure is going to be a first-half um, return, and I, I could see it definitely being in May. I, April's too far for me, but I, I think a May return is in play, and I'd be surprised yep. if we don't see him by June. So. Uh, it's funny. I draft. I mentioned that friends and family league draft. I'm never the long term injury draft and hold person, but I drafted Harper, and I said, "Look, I, I'm never the guy who does this. I'm going to do it." And I also drafted Tony Gonsolin, so I immediately filled up my IL spots. There's only two in that league, and like everybody else, I've run into more injuries, and I'm like kind of kicking myself for why did I do this? But then I see Harper coming back. I'm like, oh, that's why I did it. I just get a you know, keep my team treading water and then Harper will, you know, turn to MVP Bryce Harper and, you know, shoot me up the standings. That's the hope anyway. Yeah. But here's one case where I think whatever we expected back, whatever the projection of games played was in March, I think Harper's going to blow it out of the water. I totally agree. I think the last box that Harper really has to check is sliding, uh, sliding head first. Uh, there's some danger there with the elbow. Every, nobody should slide head first. I know. Anybody does I, it. But I, that Harper does it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, I think that's the last thing that they want to, you know, check the boxes with, with sliding. Uh, first base is kind of a way down the road potential option. He will come back as a DH. He has not really started throwing with any intensity. That's something that, you know, it's not going to pre preclude him from coming back strictly as a hitter. Um, but yeah, I think the sliding thing is the, the box he has to check. Um, I will give you, I will give you a little podcast trivia. I know you know the answer to this. Dear listener, what position did Bryce Harper play when he began his baseball career? Do, 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 do. You remember DJ, right? I do remember. He was a catcher. That's right. Bryce Harper <laughs> is a catcher. And then they realized, you know, like the Craig Biggio thing, well, wait, this guy's offense is way too valuable. Of course, I think Biggio was a gold glover at second base, and that's an important position yep. too. But it's just funny how Harper was a catcher at one point in time, right fielder at one point in time. Now he's just – really his position is just hitter. But he's so freaking valuable. That's, you know, why not? Yeah. And, and even if the Phillies have to put out a defense, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. And nobody really yeah. enjoys it. Kyle Schwarber is really a DH playing the outfield, to be fair. But uh, it's going to be a fun, even without Hoskins, it's going to be a fun softball team, man. They're going to score yeah. a ton of runs. I, I like how Alex Baum's gotten out of, out of the box. Even though Stott never draws a walk, he's looked interesting in the leadoff yeah, spot. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Philadelphia is a really fun team. Uh, so we're going to get to these fab bids quickly. Before we do that, uh, just as Scott said, remember, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. 
get the latest injury updates. We've had way too many of those recently. Uh, player news and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. So let's get to these fab bids real quick. Uh, I actually picked up Todd Bradley in TGFBI. Uh, I've lost uh, Woodruff. I've lost uh, Tristan McKenzie. So I really need pitching help. I threw 200 at Todd Bradley uh, to get him on my roster. I had Brian Bayo in that league too. My pitching's really hurting, so I think it justified it there. And actually, the the runner-up for Bradley also bid 200. I was just higher in the pecking order to get Bradley, so I was happy with that. I did get Johan Oviedo as well for 35 in TGFBI, which I was really happy about. He's looking legit. He's looking really good so far. A nice surprise there for the Pirates. Like you said, I'm not sure I'd start him this week, uh, but I was really happy to get that pitching help there. First of all, congratulations on making a perfect bid, right? I mean, that's one thing I love grinding, <laughs> not just the fab results, but how close were the gaps. When yeah. you actually win on a tiebreaker, you literally you literally bid the least amount of money that you could have on the player and still won the bid. So congratulations. Sure. Um, I, I wish yeah, I – my TGFBI team is hitting like crazy, and I, every week I can't seem to find pitching. I think uh, Quijada, the quasi-Angels closer, was somebody I probably yeah. should have taken more seriously. I didn't get in on him. Oviedo, look, 10 strikeout game – that's like an automatic pickup, and he's got good control. Yeah, I don't want to pitch him against Colorado, so I'm going to sit him for that start. But and the Pirates have been more competitive than we think. You know, Ben Sherrington, I think, could maybe turn that team around in a couple of years if ownership will commit to a long-term plan. So I, I'm in on him. Another player I got a lot of, and this just feels weird, but I'm apparently the biggest Brent Rooker believer. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. hitting, he's hitting cleanup right now in Oakland, and I guess maybe I'm just projecting here because I thought Seth Brown had a chance to outkick his ADP. He was going to be their leadoff man, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He's hurt long term, and Rooker's a guy who has a minor league track record, but he was always old for the level. Where it's like, okay, he's kind of hitting the minors, but he's like three years older than everybody else. A lot of times, we just kind of discount that stuff. But sometimes guys just find their way into playing time, into a chance in their late 80s, uh, late 80s, in their late 20s. He's not that old. Nobody's <laughs> that old. But, um, I, look, I get it. It's it's hard to watch these Oakland games. And, and Joe Sheehan, my friend, yes. and the writer of the great Joe Sheehan newsletter, was wondering, you know, could anybody on the Oakland A's make the Tampa Bay roster? He eventually came up with the idea that a few guys could, but not many. And I think yeah. that's totally fair. But um, Rooker's back in cleanup. He's hit some home runs. I'm, g- I'm going to give him – I got him like three or four leagues. So I, I, I'm actually at a point now it's going to hurt when he invariably goes two for 35 in the, in the next like eight days. But um, I've talked myself into him over the last few days. What say you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I watched him over the weekend because the A's were playing the Mets. I, I sat through a 17 walk game that the angels or not that the uh, A's had against the Mets on, on Friday, which is just terrible, terrible baseball to watch. Uh, but Rooker is kind of really the – I wouldn't say the one bat in that lineup because I do think they have, you know, some decent contributors there. Ruiz has started to run. That's interesting. Yeah, yes. He he looks like a player. I, I think they have something there. Um, but, yeah, Rooker, he's has the prospect pedigree. Like, he was – at one point, he was – there was some real hopes for him to be a, a real player there for the Twins. Just didn't really work out. And he hasn't really gotten an extended opportunity in the majors either. This is sometimes what the A's do. Uh, they uncover these players, and, you know, Josh Donaldson, you know, is an example of that too. Uh, Rooker went for 45 and Tout Wars mixed this weekend. Uh, so, you know, affordable. Uh, TGFBI was 49. In my Tout Wars mixed draft, actually, Zach Neto went for the highest number, 212. Um, 
Edward Julien with the Twins. We talked a little bit about him last week. A, a lot of folks in on, on Julien been hitting uh, leadoff for the Twins on base machine. Can he hold a spot there when Jorge Polanco comes back? I'm not quite sure, but you know, hitting leadoff for the Twins, which is a you know pretty good lineup. Joey Gallo's coming back as well. Like we'll, we'll see how all these uh, returns play out. Alex Kirilov we mentioned as well. I think short-term, uh, Julian's for pretty fun pickup, too. I picked up Nick Senzel uh, in Tot Wars Mixed for five, uh, $5, which I was thrilled about, actually. Coming back as a utility player for the Reds, and it looks like he's going to see time between second base and outfield, so to get that, that multi-position eligibility. And what I like about Senzel, yes, he's been hurt so much. He runs, and especially in today's game where teams are being super aggressive, like. I wouldn't shock me if Senzel, if he could stay healthy again, steal 25 plus, plus bases this year. So I, I'm just one of those players like, yeah, let's just kind of see where it goes. But for just to spend five on that, I was happy with that. I get the feeling that one of the smart teams, when maybe it fizzles out for Senzel in Cincinnati, that like a team like Tampa Bay or the Dodgers will sign him and he'll magically just have like a healthy season and play 145 <laughs> games. And yeah. like, oh, why did the Reds, you know, DFA this guy? Yeah, um, still, still just 27 and was, again, wasn't just a prospect, but he was like a top 10 prospect at one point. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the position flexibility works two ways with him because I think he might have had a better career if maybe they just gave him one spot and let him run with it. But um, it's a lineup I've talked a lot about. I think there's destination in this lineup. I, Stevenson's one of my favorite catchers. Will Myers had a big game this week, a couple of home runs. I think this could be a, a steer was really starting to hit. He got hurt on Sunday. Actually lost a, a, a fab bit on Steer where we backed off it when he got hurt, and then we didn't win, and we're like, oh, maybe you should have picked him up anyway. But he looks like a good player when healthy. I think the Cincinnati offense looks interesting, and Senzel can be a part of that. So one one recommendation I wanted to give here, you know, if it's too late to make a pickup for Monday or Tuesday, so be it. But Alex Wood is available in more than 90% of Yahoo leagues. He gets a two-start week this week, and he gets the Marlins and the Mets. Uh, the Marlins lineup doesn't scare me. The Mets have been very vulnerable against left-handed pitching really over the past year and a half. Uh, so I think that's one you attack as well. And, you know, Wood has a reputation. He's looked pretty good so far this season. I'm honestly shocked he's out there in so many leagues, but uh, he's one I jump on right away. Let me give you another giant and one of your former Mets. I've always thought J.D. Davis can hit, just needs a chance to play. Yeah. And it looks like he's settled in as the regular cleanup hitter for the Giants, qualifies yep. in a couple of different positions. I could easily see the end of the season he's hitting like 272 with like 23 home runs. I, I think he should be rostered probably double what his tag is right now. I like it. Uh, we'll have a lot more recommendations for waiver wire pickups on our Wednesday show, a waiver wire Wednesday. So be sure to check it out. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.